0: Hello everybody, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quatramani and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now we talk about dash cams, navigation units, things like that, time and time again. But there's a couple of things that I think people haven't realized perhaps with some of the dash cams, especially those that are available from Navman. Now obviously we all know what a dash cam does. It records everything that's happening in front or even behind you. But some extra features that you'll find between the El Cheapos and the ones that you'll find from Navman are beyond just recording. Now, premium safety alerts is something that I absolutely love inside the dash cams because you've always got the dash cam running. It's always in the car, unlike you would have, say, a navigation unit. But having your dash cam always running means a couple of things. One, it will actually tell you about school zones that are coming up in case you're unaware of where you're driving through. It will tell you about known accident black spots, meaning you don't end up in dash cam footage. You will already know that it's a interesting situation where you might be and you need to be a little bit more careful. Railway crossing, speed zone changes on motorways, all of these things will actually give you alerts and make sure that you do not get caught out, including if you're in low light conditions, it will actually even tell you to turn your headlights on. So if you are forgetting some things, this dash cam that actually is keeping an eye on the road for you, is actually also telling you a little bit about the road ahead and making sure that you're doing the right thing. Some of these things really do matter, including, yes, fixed speed and red light cameras. This is great, and it's very, very helpful. It could save you a couple of points or even a couple of bucks, and you get that free monthly uh, update as well. So if a new one does get installed, you'll get that updated in your dash cam every single month. So that peace of mind is definitely something worth paying attention to. Now, they start from a much lower price than you would expect. The one that I'm looking at at the moment, actually, is the MyView 900. It's a dual camera system, $299, recommended retail price. you probably find it a little bit less elsewhere. Do shop around, but make sure you go to the NavMen website. Check out the entire range, even look at footage. Dashcams Australia is a really good place to actually compare footage of different dashcams and know that you're making the right decision. Let's go on with the show. Jeff multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert, Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quatramani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello, everybody, thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. And good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are listening to this show. Welcome. Welcome to Australia's number one technology podcast. As you heard in the introduction, my name is Jeff Quattramani, and I have a little bit of a cold. So I apologize in advance for a lack of energy or a weird sound in my voice. I promise we actually might even wrap the show up a little bit earlier. We'll see how we're going getting through everything. But as a result, no glass of wine, no cocktail, no beer in front of me today. I actually have a concoction that I learned about on a flight. Now, let me give you a bit of a story here. I was heading to Singapore for an event with Samsung, and this event was kind of their way of bringing people together in Asia uh, to talk about what they do in TVs, home entertainment, and all the range of products that they have. This was a few years ago, and I went over there um, and just like the day before, my son got hand, foot, and mouth. And it's a nightmare of a thing if you, if you ever have kids who, who catch this disease or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I think it's a disease per se, but it's a problem. And I felt fine. I get on the plane, eight-hour flight. I love, I love flying to Singapore. I usually get a day flight. I can usually drink a ton of wine on the way there, watch a lot of movies, catch up on things. It's fantastic. This time, however, I boarded, felt great, had the champagne. And then next minute, I'm like shivering, I'm not doing well. Singapore airline staff, fantastic people. They came to me and said, How about a cup of tea? I've got something for you. And I said, Oh, I would love anything that will fix my issue. They came and brought me what I have in front of me right now. It's a chamomile tea. (laughs) Stick with me. It's chamomile tea with a wedge of lemon and a dose of honey. And you mix all that together, and it actually tastes really, really good. And I'm telling you, I felt so much better after having about six of these teas on that flight in that eight-hour period. I did get off the plane feeling a heck of a lot better, um, but I did end up being in Singapore for that three or four days with what turned out to be hand, foot, and mouth disease myself. And I can tell you, it ain't fun. It ain't fun, especially in humid, the humidity of Singapore, wearing Iron Williams boots, trying to walk when your feet are all blistered up. It was not a fun trip, but these are the things that we do. I think it was pre-podcast, so you may not have heard about it on the show, but that's what I'm drinking, and I'm hoping is everything else that's wrong with me right now. It's not hand, foot, and mouth, but to be clear, I am uh, just having a cold, a little man flu. Now, today, instead of just talking about tea concoctions, we are going to talk about some tech. I want to talk to you about some changes coming from Google and Fitbit perspective. Uh, yes, if you didn't know, Google bought Fitbit. Uh, AI. AI in Snapchat. Now, it's a feature I just discovered today and was kind of surprised, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it. I want to talk about some of the apps that you may have never heard of, but I really recommend you downloading onto your phone. So, some critical apps that you may be surprised by, services you didn't know about, uh, and potential changes that you'll have experienced thanks to these apps. And I'll, I'll talk about those further. And then we're going to review two speakers, both from Sonos, the Sonos Era 100 and the Era 300 they are big changes from Sonos. They are worth paying attention to, especially if you are thinking about investing in home entertainment, home audio. Uh, These are two very important speakers to hear about. And if you're not interested in any of this, then thank you for tuning in. I'll speak to you again next week. But without further ado, let's get into the news. Now, many years ago, well, not many years ago, a couple of years ago, maybe even last year, uh, Google acquired Fitbit, pretty big acquisition to make. It certainly helped Google, you know, step into the wearables, health tracking and things like that in a significant way. And we've actually already seen the benefit of that with the Pixel uh, watch, which I I enjoyed using, but you could see the Fitbit energy inside it. Now, the next step that's coming in this acquisition, especially if you're a Fitbit user, is to hear about this, you will be starting to be moved to a Google account. Uh, that could mean that you need to use a gmail address or something similar to to be registered but it does mean that google is going to bring all that fitbit juice all that data um, into their fold probably going into the you know the google health app and things like that now what is critical is kind of what i quickly mentioned there all of the data all of the historical data is going to remain intact despite moving from a fitbit account to a google account Uh, everything will remain. And for me, that's actually important, not because I'm wearing a Fitbit at the moment, but there's nothing more that I like. And this is a little bit nerdy, uh, nothing more that I love than putting my a Fitbit back on, especially when a new one comes out, I get to test it, logging into my Fitbit account. And I scroll all the way back, all the way back to the day I got married. I wore a Fitbit that day. Um, I wore a proper watch on my left wrist and on my right wrist, I wore a Fitbit. It might've been a flex back then, and it was so that I could pay attention to, in a nerdy way, uh, my heart rate throughout the day, the amount of steps I did that day. And it was pretty cool because then when I looked back on it, I can pretty much tell you exactly when uh, the ceremony began. So when, you know, when, when my wife started walking down the aisle, because uh, you can see the spike in the heart rate there. And then either the speech or the first dance, you see another, another spike in heart rate as well. So it's really cool to be able to look at that data and go, that was a moment in time which I managed to log. Um, the data of. And that's something I can never change or do again. So that's pretty cool. So I'd hate to lose that. And it's good to hear that Google's going to retain all of your fitness data. So if you've ever been wearing a Fitbit or ever worn one, uh, Google's keeping onto it. You're just going to have to eventually move over to a Google account. So don't worry Fitbit users. Now, are you a Snapchat user? Yes, you may think it's only for 14 year olds. I get it. I have the app for research purposes. It's one of the things that I do. I have a lot of apps on my phone. A lot of them I don't use, but at some point in time, I've had to test something, talk about something. So I have a lot of apps on my phone. Snapchat being one of them. Now I noticed today that I have a new friend. It's called My AI, and honestly, this could be the biggest reason for someone to download Snapchat. I don't have a lot of friends who use the application, so it is very useless to me from a social perspective. However, that My AI friend that you can chat to um, through Snapchat is probably, in my view, better than ChatGPT. And I say that with a bit of a, like, I'm kind of slouching. I'm kind of putting, burying my head in my shoulders to say that in case someone throws something at me. But ChatGPT, when you start typing a question into it, anyone who's used it, uh, you type a question and then it starts to type out the response, and it can take a minute to actually show you the full response as it you know, pretends to type it. My AI just gives it to you in a snap, just like Snapchat you'd expect. But literally in a, in a second, you get your responses. So a quick example I did today, um, write me a birthday card for my four-year-old nephew. Bang. I had a little paragraph that I could have taken word for word and written into a birthday card. Um, I, I typed in things like, tell me about Jeff Quattromani, and it knew and I said, tell me how up-to-date is your data? And it said it's live. So in comparison to ChatGPT, this is actually up-to-date data. If I ask the same question uh, in ChatGPT, I don't necessarily get answers or even accurate answers sometimes because the data inside the tool is older. Now, Snapchat's AI is brilliant. It knew that. It knew what it knew about the podcast. Um, it knew about you. It knew everything about you. No, I'm kidding. But no, it was... Genuinely so fast and so simple to use. I typed in, "What wine goes best with Thai food?" Bang! Not even a second later, it it gave me a description about about what kind of about riesling. Basically, saying riesling is a good comparison uh, to pair with Thai food because of the spices in foods and things like that. Um, I typed in questions like, "What color T-shirt should I wear with jeans?" Bang! White or black? You know, really simple ways of just going. If normally, if you would run to Google to ask that kind of question. You can just quickly go to this Snapchat's My AI and have that interaction. It was really impressive. And then, literally, um, there was one part when I asked um about the Technology Uncorked podcast, and it spelt my name uh, with a J, which is actually the correct way, in my opinion, but spelt it J-E-F-F. And I replied back saying it's actually G E O F F, and it goes, okay, got it. Next minute, I asked the exact same question: Tell me about the Technology Uncorked podcast. Boom, it feeds back with the correct spelling. So it's a learning AI. It actually is pretty darn smart. Um, and again, it could be a reason for you to download Snapchat and try this out for yourself. Obviously, free. Obviously, and the best bit, without the limitations that you have with Chat GPT, where sometimes you try and log in and it's um, over-resourced and you can't use it and so on. This is on your phone, ready to go, and answer questions as soon as you've got them. So worth taking a look. Now you got your smartphone handy, downloading Snapchat already, great. <laughs> I want you to know about a few other apps, four apps. And these particular apps are important because you probably don't know about them. And they're important because they're going to probably do some great things for you. Sounds like a bit of an overpromise, but let's see how we go. The first one is called Turo, T-U-R-O. If you are traveling overseas, domestic, maybe you just want something for the weekend and you need a car, you could go to Thrifty, you could go to Hertz, you could go to all these other rental car places, and you could get, uh, I don't know, what are you going to get from there? Like a a four-wheel drive, like a Hyundai SUV, or a Mitsubishi Magna. I don't think they do Magnas anymore, but you're going to get a pretty boring hire car. You want to be seen rocking up or touring Hawaii in a Toyota Camry? Maybe not. So if you don't want to get one of those sort of hire cars, Turo is an application that allows anybody to rent their own car. So you might say, well, I've got, a, I've got a car in the garage. I don't use it Monday to Friday because I take the train to work. So while it's sitting in your garage, it's not making you any money. But if your car is on Turo and bookable, someone could actually be paying you to drive it. A couple of years ago, I was in San Francisco and I had a day spare. I was there with Sonos. I had a day spare. And I wanted to go to Napa Valley. Beautiful wine country. You're not getting a cab there. It's too far. I went on two row. It was heavy in the US. It's now come to Australia. It was heavy in the US. And I booked a Porsche, a convertible Porsche. Sounds crazy. It costs the same amount of money as if I had hired a Ford Mustang from Thrifty. Now, a Ford Mustang in the US is not an impressive car. Uh, they're easy to get from a car rental place. And they cost about 50 to 60 bucks per day. That's pretty much how much I paid for a Porsche convertible. The guy worked in the city of San Francisco. He lived outside uh, San Fran. So guess what? He drove to my hotel. He dropped off the car, showed me how to take the roof off. I didn't touch it again. Um, And then he walked to work. And then in the afternoon, as I was driving back over the Golden Gate Bridge, I sent him a text saying, I'll be back at the hotel in 10 minutes. Guess what? He was there. Gave him the keys and he kept on going. Now, I did get charged a little bit extra because I did more kilometers than I was meant to. Um, there is usually a limit and then they charge per kilometer after that, but that's the same as a rental car. Um, I did get stung because I didn't fill the car up with petrol. I didn't want to even consider how to navigate US petrol stations. I know you have to prepay. You have to then figure out how to open the lid. I was like, I'm not going to do that. let just let the guy charge me for it. And I paid whatever it was per gallon of petrol. And It's brilliant. So if you're traveling overseas, I would recommend you do check out the app Turo. Now, in saying I hired a Porsche, I could have hired a Tesla. I could have hired a Lamborghini. I could have hired a Maserati. And because I was by myself, who was I really flexing for? I just wanted a convertible and I didn't really want a Mustang. So it's a really awesome thing. Now, if you live in Sydney or anywhere in Australia, this app is now available and you'll see more cars appearing on the platform. You could be doing the same. You could be making money if you wanted to. for me, it's actually more, if you're going traveling, check out Turo. Uh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And Napa Valley was amazing. Uh, now, the other one, Borrow Box. I'm getting into my audiobooks whenever I mow, if I catch a train, if I'm driving by myself. Um, beyond podcasts, I do like listening to audiobooks. It's actually how I read. I don't have time to just sit on a couch and read. Uh, but audiobooks is fantastic for that reason. BorrowBox is free. You just need to register with any library in Australia. Uh, and then you can log into BorrowBox. Now, in saying that, I've registered with about three libraries in Australia because I, every time you log into BorrowBox with a different library account, you actually have access to different books. Not every library has access to the same books, and that makes a difference. So you can try some, you know, Western Sydney libraries and you get one, <laughs> one type of variety, and then you register with like a Balmain area library, and you get a different style of books there as well. So. Um, do have a crack at it. It's free. It's free, to, it's free to get these audiobooks. You can also get normal ebooks as well. Um, but you literally borrow the audiobook, you listen to it, and it disappears again, and it's great. Um, I have started using Audible as well, but you pay like 15, 16 bucks a month for that, and it seems a bit weird and excessive. Um, I don't quite see the value in that yet, but for free, get Borrow Box, listen to audiobooks when you're not listening to this podcast. The next one, number three, park and pay. I speak about this one because of an experience on the weekend. We went around the Northern Beaches area, some national park, and parking is a nightmare. You can tell, I'm, you can tell I've been spending too much time living on an acreage. Um, parking was a nightmare. There was traffic, bedlam, too many people, too many cars. Anyway, eventually we got parking, and then it turns out you had to pay for parking. I mean, how ridiculous. You're know, paying for parking. i mean, I pay for registration and everything else. But anyway. So I'm there and I'm actually lining up behind this booth. Um, it's like a, like a, it's a parking, parking ticket box. And I'm lining up and there's three people in front of me. Well, the guy at the front, he might have been 80. And you could see the guy was just not figuring this thing out. He's pushing the screen where the buttons are actually next to the screen. He's got his wallet out. It's like he's, it's like he's trying to talk to it. And anyway, I actually ended up helping him. But while I was helping him, I noticed that on the side was a little sticker said you can download Park and Pay and do it all on your phone. Thank God. I showed him how to use the machine, but while he was still trying to thumb the screen, downloaded the app, pay for the parking, and I was gone. I jumped out of the queue because who cares about fumbling around with that? Um, so Park and Pay, if you're parking anywhere, I think in New South Wales, uh, Park and Pay should be supported on it, and it's just going to save you time. You can literally do it while you're still in the car. Let aircon on. Pay for your parking. What are you going to do? Stand out there in the rain, getting wet, while waiting behind an 80-year-old man? No you know, save some time. you going to do it more efficiently. You've listened to this podcast, Park and Pay. The other one is called Fing. F-I-N-G. Sounds crazy. I know. Fing is an app. And I'll tell you why I like it. There's a couple of things in it. It's basically a networking app, as in like technical networking, not networking like LinkedIn. And there's a couple of things you can do. First of all, you can actually get it to scan your Wi-Fi network. And the reason I suggest this is because you I don't know where you live. I don't know where you live. I literally don't. Even though you listen to this podcast, and I, I get some data about the podcast, but I don't know where you live. But if someone is on your Wi-Fi network, if someone's snooping on your Wi-Fi network, maybe you've got some civil issues and someone has left something in your home connected to your Wi-Fi network. Could happen. You can scan it and it will show you all the devices that are currently connected to your network, the make, the model, if it's, if it's available. Um... So much detail. And then you can actually start to dig into that thing and go, well, actually, let me try and find out where this product is and you can get closer to it and so on. So if you want to try and narrow down the products that are in your home, have a good understanding of how many devices you've got connected, Fing will do that. But what's more is that when you start to get into the app, you'll start to see more things around your network, around how much usage it's got, what kind of uh, security you, you might be facing if you're at risk of getting hacked or having your, your router access point Uh, impacted. I think that's brilliant. You can do speed tests on there. So if you're ever curious about, oh God, what's going on with my internet? You jump into Fing, you can do that. Um, And you can check about reported outages with your provider. It literally is that one-stop shop for managing your home network. Like I jump in here and it tells me what my ISP is. It already knows what my public IP address is. Um, And it tells me about any outages with my ISP that's been reported. So a really simple one-stop shop. The other thing that's in here as well is different tools. You can do trace routes, you can do pinging. So if you want to know if your printer is online, you can try and ping it. Um, there is so many features. So, Fing is the other app that I absolutely love and I recommend you install. I wanted to tell you about those four four apps that are adding value to my life and I think they would add value to yours. Now, after this, let's talk about two new products from Sonos, uh, the era. Is it the end of an era or the beginning of an era? Now, we've spoken about these two speakers on the show previously, especially when they were announced. Um, I'd already had hands-on time with them in a, uh, in a home, but now they're in my home. And I've had a good amount of time to actually play, touch, experience, understand uh, these two products. Now, straight up, the ERA 100 is the replacement of the Sonos 1. The ERA 300 doesn't have a direct replacement. However, I feel it replaces the Sonos 5 and I'll explain that a little bit more as we get to that product. Let's talk about the Era 100. That's probably the most affordable speaker that people are going to be thinking about with Sonos products. However, we are looking at 399 now. So 399 is higher than what the Sonos 1 used to cost. If I go to the JB Hi-Fi website, I see the Sonos 1 at 349, the Sonos 1 SL, which is the same thing but without the voice assistant, is 319. So we're already talking about a higher price point, but yes, there is some additional benefits as you would expect. Now, the Sonos ERA 100, I don't know why they have the ERA piece there. I don't even know why they have the 100 there. I used to love just telling people, oh man, you should just get two Sonos 1s in that room, a five in that room, an ARC in this room. Now I've got to be like, oh, you should get the ERA 100 and the ERA, I hate that. Anyway, the ERA 100. What's different about it? Well, it has Bluetooth now. That's very new. For a wired speaker from Sonos, that's a very new feature for them to add as an option. I'm not using it and I'll explain the only use case that I think you would actually have it. Um, It's got a line in with USB-C now. So if you actually want to connect a turntable or something like that, you do it through a dongle um, and you can actually connect other devices via USB-C. It's humidity resistant and they call this out now specifically because Sonos knows that a lot of people put their Sonos Ones in the bathroom. And that means that any sort of dampness, moisture in the air, things like that, it's actually going to be okay to use in the bathroom. So it's good to see they finally admitted that. Now, beyond this, what's different about this to the Sonos One? Well, it's now got two tweeters on it, so it can create a more stereotype sound. And I can tell you from obvious experience and testing of myself, uh, it does sound better. The ERA 100 sounds dramatically better than the Sonos One. It is a much better sounding speaker. It is more expensive. The other thing, however, that has changed is that they now only support the choice of realistically one voice assistant, and that's Amazon Alexa. And to me, that's a disadvantage because when Sonos supports like 48 different music streaming services, they used to support the Google and the Amazon voice assistant, and to now have ditched one of them is a disadvantage. It was one of their unique selling points that you could choose what voice assistant you wanted, and the Sonos One allowed you to do that. So it's a higher price. It has better sound. It lacks a voice assistant that you may want, which is the Google one. I, that's my preference. However, what are you really doing with these speakers? You're probably trying to listen to them, not just talk to them. So if you can, if you can get by with using uh, Amazon Alexa and you can, you can stomach that, then it is a very good purchase. Is it worth the additional purchase? Yes. And I'll say yes because, I'll say yes because, where was I going with this? I'll say yes because, yes, here we go. If you're only going to put one in the room, then absolutely. It's a bedroom speaker, something like that. It's really going to be enjoyed in that way. However, if you are using the ERA 100 as rear speakers, then of course not. The ERA 100 as rear speakers, you don't, why, why would you pay for the voice assistant part? Are you really going to get the benefit of the additional speaker for the stereo sound when it won't really be used as a rear speaker as much so in that case you would get the one sl 319 dollars you'll save about eight eighty dollars per speaker because you need two of them so the era 100 fantastic as an individual speaker in a bedroom Um, i wouldn't invest in it as rear speakers for your home theater okay that's the other thing now i did mention bluetooth and the era 300 has bluetooth as well and that's worth mentioning because The only use case I can really see for Bluetooth is this. Most smart TVs today have Bluetooth on board. Most smart TVs today sound terrible. So if you're out there and you're thinking, God, I would love to buy a soundbar, but I really would actually also like a speaker for listening to music in the lounge room, but you don't want it to be a soundbar. I don't know, I'm trying to think of a weird situation here, but your ERA 100 or 300 could actually be your TV speaker. And that could actually be a brilliant thing because it's not necessarily the soundbar but it is a speaker. Now, in saying that, it's, it's such a back and forth thing. In saying that, Sonos do sell soundbars um, at pretty affordable prices as well, which do have the voice system built in. So what do you do? I don't really know. I don't know the, the, the Bluetooth part to it so much. When people come to my house, if, we're having, if music is on, don't even think about Bluetoothing your phone to my speakers to put your own tracks on. How dare you? How, in a greater voice, how dare you? Like if I've put music on for a party, for a dinner, whatever it is, that's my music. You don't like it? Suggest a song to me. I'll put it on. Maybe. But if you're just going to go, oh, one second, Jeff, you've got to hear this banger. Let me just Bluetooth my phone to your speaker and, and play it. But like, no, 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 no. You don't touch. You don't do that. That's like someone changing the air conditioning settings while you're driving. You don't get to do that. You don't get to touch that. I'm, dr- I'm the driver. I'm the person running the speaker. You don't get to Bluetooth your phone to my speaker. All right, so that's the Euro 100, 399. And I will tell you this, on the Sonos website right now, the Sonos One with the voice assistant, with the dual voice assistant is gone. So while stocks last, I would say on that one, because it wasn't mentioned during our briefing that the Sonos One was going to be end of life, it's gone. So I'm looking at JB Hi-Fi website, they still have it, 349. If you want one of those, and you want the Google Assistant on a small speaker, the Sonos One at 349, 34- 349 is for sale but it might not be for that much longer so white or black you make a choice let's talk about the era 300 now the era 300 is a bigger speaker and this is why i correlate this one to the play five or five i have the five and i love it i have two of them and i have them side by side as a left and right speaker it sounds incredible but the 5 is an 899 speaker, a $900 speaker. That's a lot of money. It's a ton of money, especially if you're just going to be playing DMX on it. It's a lot of money, especially having two of them. Crikey. Anyway, 899. And then you've got the Era 300 at 749. So there's 150 bucks in savings, right? The size is, the Era 300 is smaller. It's still sexy and it still sounds damn good. Now, the ERA 300 has sideways and upwards firing speakers built in, meaning you get this spatial audio that the Sonos 5 cannot achieve. So, I have the ERA 300 in our kitchen, and the entire kitchen is full of sound when I put this thing on. There is audio firing everywhere. I get better results out of the ERA 300 than I would from probably any speaker that I put in that room because of the way it does move audio. It literally moves sound. Now, again, it has the voice assistant built in, only the Amazon voice assistant, whereas the 5 has none. The 5 can only be controlled really from your phone. So that's a big difference for me. The ERA 300 is one that I could actually be using through voice, and I do. It's in the kitchen actually way up high. I walk in the kitchen and I just use Amazon Alexa to do whatever I want it to do. And it sounds fantastic. So at 749, if you're looking at investing big, 749 would be the one I'd go for, the ERA 300. Now in saying that, when it was demonstrated to us we also tried uh, hearing it as rear speakers so if you're going gangbusters on a home theater like crazy big on a home theater and you're going to get the Sonos Arc 1200 something you're going to get the the sub 1000 and then you want to get two crazy rear speakers two era 300s at 750 bucks each um i've heard that that setup and it sounds amazing but I don't know who, who's listening to this podcast, but I'm pretty sure it's not the Nigerian Prince. It's a lot of money, a lot of money to be asking for. So yes, it would make great rear speakers, but I think most people, if they get one, it might just be one because at 749, not many people are buying that many of them. Now, the reason, one of the things I wrote, and you can go to 7 and you can read my full review about both of these speakers. One of the things I said about this speaker, and it may sound a little bit hippie, is that I know a speaker sounds good not because it makes me stand up and dance to a to a song any any speaker can make you get up and dance it's actually the song that you're in love with in that point it's not the sound the Era 300 is the kind of speaker that makes your eyes close and you're so immersed in the song that your eyes are shut you're listening to it as if it's the first time you've ever heard it and you're hearing things in the song that you had never noticed before sounds very very hippie i know but i can tell you that the era 300 is one of the most immersive speakers that i have enjoyed and again at 749 that price gap to the sonos 5 makes no sense for me anymore um imagine two of these era 300s next to each other like i do with the fives it would be incredible now I will say, if you've got an Android device, you can now do the tuning properly with an Android device. Before it was just Apple devices that you could do that with. It was a bit annoying. Um, so now you can tune with Android devices, and it works well. It actually makes a difference, which you'll appreciate. It tunes the speaker for the room, basically. Uh, beyond that, I I love the Era 300. It's just 749 bucks. It hurts, but if you're a smaller guy, uh, smaller budget, I should say, Era 100, fantastic speaker. But um, the, go- the lack of the Google Assistant really, really hurts. Um, but the Ear 100 does punch above its weight. It sounds significantly better than the uh, than the Sonos one. It really does. Beyond that, head to the Sonos website. I'm looking at it at the moment and the range is there, but I'm noticing a lot of changes. The Sonos Move, which is a portable smart speaker, still supports both assistants. That's nice that they've kept it. Um, it has Bluetooth as well. And that makes sense. It's a portable speaker. You might take it on holidays with you, just like the Sonos Rome um, has that capability as well. That's two nine nine, and that actually, you know what, the Sonos Roam at two nine nine is actually a really good speaker for the bedroom as well. Um, if your, you know, your kids need a smart speaker, that could actually be a really good option. I think at two nine nine, you know, it sounds pretty good. No, it doesn't sound like a Sonos One, but it's portable. They can take it with them if they wanted to, and it's water resistant and stuff like that. The Sonos Move, which I love when I barbecue. Um, that's six nine nine. That's pretty expensive. It's pretty expensive for a portable smart speaker, um, but you know packs great sound. It really does. Beyond that, what else is left in their range? I feel like the web, the website is culling some of the speakers there. Oh, you know why? Because when they've now broken out into speakers and then home theater speakers. So let me just go quickly here. I, I mentioned soundbars before, right? The Sonos Ray is their smaller soundbar. That's a four nine nine speaker. The Beam Gen 2 is $799. That's 50 bucks more than the Era 300. And I mentioned being able to pair your TV via Bluetooth to the Era 300. It makes you start to think. Then would you be better off with a soundbar like the Beam Gen 2 or the Era 300? That's something to think about. Then there's the Arc at oh sorry, the Arc is $1499. I think I said $1200 before. Crikey, Moses. And then there's a Sub Mini at $699. The Sub Gen 3 at twelve nine. dollars What the heck? That's gone up by $300. No, it has. Wow. The Sub, I swear to God, used to be $1,000. Holy smackaroos. $1299 for a Sub. What's going on, Sonos? Taking the mickey. That Sub has been around for a long time and it's gone up in value. That's a pretty good thing about electronics from Sonos. They, get, they appreciate in value anyway hope you've appreciated this show. i probably rambled a little bit. It's the meds. It's the tea. Um, it's everything in between. So thank you for listening to the show. I might actually put the link to the to the 7 News article that I wrote in the description to make it easy for you to find. You can click on that and take a look. Otherwise, have an amazing week. I'll speak to you soon, and I hope to be better because I've, got, I've been sent some nice and new wines that I'm looking forward to diving into. Catch you soon, guys. Bye-bye.